Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989898. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It is The Savage Nation. You're not going to hear about fusion Confusion. I could do new a, rap, a new rap song called Confusion about Fusion, but I'm not going to do it. I'm so fed up with it. Thank God it's over. Leave me alone. I'm going to talk about these topics today, and then I have a special announcement to make that you're not going to expect that will be happy for my fans and very unhappy for my detractors. Let's start with some of the topics I want to talk about. Do you approve of Trump pushing to explode the national debt, or do you disagree with it? You want to hear what the founders wrote about exploding national debt? Now, I know that those who are in talk radio don't care about the founders now that the founders don't comply with the the, the national debt exploding. But I'm a kind of traditional guy. I mean, if you're for the founders, when you start on radio and they're still the founding fathers who gave us what we have. Well, they were right about the exploding national debt, but apparently it doesn't work anymore in conservative talk radio. It's only about fusion, dossier, steel. Also, uh, have you tried CBD products for pain? Have they helped you? I'm going to talk about CBD. It's becoming a big, big miracle kind of product. It is not marijuana per se. It's a, it's an alkaloid of marijuana. And apparently people are swearing by it. I'm going to talk about CBD, what it is and why it's booming. I'm going to talk about the dangers of high salt in foods and how it's killing us. That's right. You heard me. I've known about it since the seventies when I was earning my higher degree in nutrition. High sodium in foods is still killing us. It hasn't changed just because you eat a lot of salt. It's increasing risk risk, uh, of cancer and heart disease. Then we're going to talk about the death penalty because it was reinstated uh, by the attorney general. I totally agree with him. Do you agree with the death penalty? Or are you one of those bleeding heart liberals who thinks it should be abolished? So we should take care of some of the most horrendous people on the planet for the next 40 years, including their lawyers. And now I want to talk about something that's really important, but I want to invite you to give us a call at 855-400-7282 because we'll get jammed up. If you want to talk about this top, these topics or any others, and I have some great sound. The guys did great work since 6 in the morning today. I have a full show for you today, as usual. Uh, phone number to get on the line because you will not get on the line after, I would say, 30 minutes. It'll be sold out. I want to go into what I've been hinting at for two days now because it only happened recently. I'm not going to give you any details for obvious reasons. As you know, if you've been listening to me for years, I began as a writer, uh, came to other fields later in my life, but I've been writing since I'm 16 years old, and many of my stories are not published, and then I decided a few years ago to publish some of my stories on Kindle, small stories uh, that have nothing to do with politics in many ways, but some are very political, even though they're parables, such as Xenon, X-E-N-O-N which was ahead of its time by 100 years. 
Now, it's not sold a lot of copies on, on Kindle. That's not the point. If you're going to judge everything by how much something sells, count me out because not everything is gauged by sales numbers. That is not to say we all do not want large sales. We do. But you don't judge a work by how many it sells. You judge a work by its artistic merit. I know that's been lost in the age of rap musicians who put their feet on the president's desk. But nevertheless, uh, I'm a quality kind of guy, and I've built my mind around the greats of all time in any field, whatever it was, even fields I couldn't even compete in. I've read their biographies since I'm a kid. So years ago in the 80s, I wrote a parable called Xenon about a futuristic America ruled by radical feminists, ruled by radical feminists where men are castrated at birth and their life mates are chosen by the radical feminist apparatchiks in their neighborhood. I mean, it's a pretty crazy parable. I get it. And I did some of my own cover art on it. Well, without mentioning names, a major literary editor, and there aren't too many left, has finally seen the light. And he said, who is this guy, Michael Savage? I've listened to him for years on the radio. I've loved his, his passion and his ability to put words together and his insights. I didn't know he was a great writer. He's it's genius. He said, this is like the great Russian authors. I want to publish him. So that's going to come out within a year, I would guess. Now, I'm telling you this for a couple of reasons, because it's full circle in my career as a writer. It's a big deal for me. I hope you understand my excitement. It has nothing to do with Mueller, Mueller or Fusion uh, or, or uh, whatever the heck it is. But I want you to understand what Xenon is about. It's probably the most political parable I could have ever written, written in the 80s, about radical feminists who take over a society and what they do to men. I just found, and it's by the way, it's currently only available on Amazon Kindle. I pushed it up as a Kindle edition because nobody wanted to publish it. For 40 years, nobody wanted to publish it. So I figured, why should it die in, in manuscript? So here's what a man who reviewed it, or, or a woman, Sandy Casey, wrote, and I just found it 10 minutes ago, uh, saying, maybe it's a parable, duh. Michael Savage is a visionary. Great minds are constantly evolving and often hard to keep up with, even when we read their words written such a long time ago, and such is the case here. Like others, I was expecting something longer. My original title for this review was warning this review may be longer than the book, but I thought it would be misunderstood as snarky and possibly picked up out of context by Michael Savage haters. Xenon is not a novel, writes Sandy. Not even a novella. It is a parable. The good doctor told us beforehand that it was a short story. And like all parables, it has a moral, a lesson, a teaching. Dr. Savage told us he hoped it would be received like the Little Prince. For those unfamiliar, I'd suggest Googling Spark Notes the Little Prince for a detailed overview. In it, we learn of good and bad seeds and baobab trees that have to be constantly uprooted before they grow so huge, their roots will destroy the Little Prince's world, which is only the size of a house. You know, you don't have to be a psychic to see that the kid's going to get hit by a car when he's playing with a ball on the sidewalk and loses it between two parked cars and chases it into the street and oncoming traffic. Just need to see the pattern already in action to make an accurate prediction. Savage has been doing that for 24 years. Well, it gets harder to make these predictions when we can't even discern what's happening today, <clears throat> much less the things we can't remember from the past. Let me read that line again to all of you listening to the show. It gets harder to make these predictions when we can't even discern what's happening today, much less the things we can't remember from the past. This is why Xenon is so driven to rediscover his own chemically erased memories. Please don't make the mistake of dismissing this book because it doesn't have a beginning, middle, and end. It is more of a snapshot of our personal, societal, present reality and possible future. It is a warning to wake up lest you find yourselves rubbing the sleep out of your eyes, only to find nothing worth waking up to. Why is it so short? Would anyone read it as a regular reminder if it was 280 pages? Why does it cost nine ninety five on Kindle? I met a young woman in 1988 that said to me, we pay for what we value, and we value what we pay for. How much would you value it if it had been free or even 99 cents? Ten bucks won't break the bank, but maybe it's enough to make you try to get your money's worth maybe even make you look a little deeper as you're reading it. Well, what's to dig for? Now, listen carefully, folks. Well, at the start of the book, we're given six noble gases. One of them is Freon, which I'm sure you just glossed over. But Freon is not one of the six noble gases. The sixth is, in fact, Xenon, which is not mentioned in that list. Hints abound. Do you notice different moods in Xenon throughout the book? Which gas produces such? 
like at the end when he sees the seahorses in the fish store in a way he never saw them before. Which gas is affecting your perceptions now? Just something to think about. Again, I'm reading a review of my parable, Xenon, X-E-N-O-N. I'm going to finish now. Now let's get to the cover art. Here we find, in the good doctor's own words, quote, one of my own simple watercolors. If you care to Google, I'm sure you can find Bob Dylan's cover art for his 1970s double album, Self-Portrait. Kind of similar, don't you think? But what do they really have in common, aside from both being painted by the authors themselves? Well, one famous music critic wrote in his initial review of Self-Portrait, what is this crap? Although he used an S-word expletive. He has more recently eaten his words in the enclosed liner notes to the Dylan Biograph re-release of the same album, which with previously unreleased outtakes. I hope some future reviewers of Xenon might read this review prior to unthinkingly spouting off their initial adult reactions and give the little prince's child a chance to view it with fresh eyes. I once chided Michael Savage for saying on the air many years ago, what should I do, give my dog homeopathy in a derisive tone? Imagine my utter surprise when I learned that one of my most valued homeopathic books, I have a huge library in the subject, was written by him. Yeah, I had to eat my words too. Hope this helps to decide if you want to read Xenon, and if so, maybe see it with fresh eyes for the first time. I'm reading this to you because it will soon not be on, on, on Kindle. Uh, once the publisher picks this up and all of my other unpublished work, I'm trying to tell you that as well. There's a huge body of unpublished work that no one's ever seen or heard, and I had decided that I wanted to lift it out of the archives and do something with it before. Well, I don't know what's going to happen to me tomorrow. Do you? You know what's going to happen to you tomorrow? You know, I got to tell you a story about that. See, there's always a story within a story, and then there's a backstory to the backstory of the backstory of the end story. When I was a little boy, you see, I worked in my father's antiques market. Now, I know you've heard it a hundred times, but maybe you didn't hear this. Well, I was consigned or assigned to working in the dim, horrible, damp basement of that terrible store in New York slum on Ludlow Street, cleaning bronze statues with cyanide solution. And I was bored out of my mind. So one of the things that I did as a hobby, or just to distract myself from the boredom, was I'd look through the junk that was down in that basement. And near where I cleaned and labored over those horrendous chemicals and the bronzes, there were huge barrels, old wine barrels, filled with the stuff that the men threw out that they couldn't sell. You see, they bought trunks at auctions, subway auction, uh, sea ship auctions, and they go down to the docks and they bid two, three, four, five dollars for a a trunk that had not been opened. They bid it based upon the quality of the trunk, but they were not open and nobody would buy them because then the good stuff would have been taken out by the auctioneer, right? So here was the hunt. They would take these these trunks back to this market and they'd start rifling through these trunks for something they could resell, a piece of gold, a piece of silver, something worth something, and they would throw out what they thought was worthless junk, which consisted of Music scores, manuscripts, photographs of the individual who had died and lost the trunk or it was sold off. And I, the young Michael, would go through these trunks. And here I would see the man sailing off to Europe when he was a young man in a nice suit, waving at the West uh, docks, the docks on the west of New York. And then you would see the progression of him. There's another picture of him in Paris looking a little, uh, whatever, a little, well, just looking happy still. Then you'd see other pictures as he was there, looking dejected. Then eventually you see him looking like, like if there was still another snapshot, looking like a bum. He failed, in other words. He came home. The trunk was left on the ship. It was sold to the men in the market. And there it was, his manuscripts, his music scores thrown out as garbage. And I found them to be the most valuable things in there, far more valuable than gold. Savage. It is a beautiful Thursday. So I got the news stories here, which you can call on the death penalty. I'm for it. Are you against it? I'm going to talk about CBD uh, uh, products for pain, how they help you, how high salt in foods is killing you, which seems to have been forgotten. I'll tell you the exact amount of salt or roughly the amount you should be taking in and how the government is failing you completely with regard to additives and, and such in your foods. There are other stories I'm going to get to. India ambassador praises house for outsourcing U.S. college jobs to Indians from Breitbart. They actually had the nerve to thank our Congress for rewarding 100,000 Indian graduates every year 
with green cards if they take tech jobs in America. This is all going on under Donald Trump. Now, if you want me to not say it's going on under Donald Trump, then I would be remiss to tell you it is going on under Donald Trump. He could stop it. Ask him why he isn't. Uh, men, Jeffrey Epstein found him injured in cell. All right, who knows? What are you going to say about that? What, did Michael Cohen do it? I mean, you want to put two, take two, two names, Epstein and Cohen. They're in different jails. I mean, Cohen's, Cohen's in uh, Otisville. We have special foods. Remember the show I did on the special ethnic foods in Otisville? That was a fun show. Jim, get me that list for later. They got the crowns for the Rastas. They got the kosher food for the Jews. What do the crackers get in that jail? Nothing. But the ethnic groups get special. They get a shawl, a prayer shawl made of uh, cheap stuff from China's 39 cents. A real one of silk made in Israel is 399 I don't know. But they sell it in the commissary. So that's where he is. He's in a good place, Otisville. I don't think Cohen is in Otisville. He's in the Metropolitan Correction, uh, whatever. So he was found. Uh, no, Cohen, Cohen's in Otisville. Epstein's in the MCC. And they were found him injured in a cell. Looks like a fake job to me. They say another inmate did it. Do you really know what happened? A guy like this, a, a snake like Epstein, a sleazy snake like Epstein, you'd put it past him putting a sheet around his own neck? I'm guessing now. I mean, if you're writing the script, you'd put past it past him to put a sheet around his neck and give himself abrasions? He wouldn't even try to hang himself. All you have to do is put the sheet. Look, I write novels. You put the sheet around your neck or a pair of socks and you rub it back and forth 20 times and you get an abrasion. Now, now you put a fake something around your neck and you lay on the ground moaning, and you get taken to a hospital. That's the world we're in. You put him in, you want to put him in a prison? Put him in a Russian prison. I've said this for years. We have it all wrong. We should take our worst prisoners and outsource them to Russia. They know how to treat prisoners. They put him up in Siberia somewhere. They have to crawl on on all ha- on hands and knees in order to get out of a cell. They don't cater to them with ethnic meals in Russia. Xenon, Kindle edition. Enter the future world state, an anti-utopian new world run by militant F8, I can't say it, FSSs, who castrate males, assign them life mates who are transsexual, keeping the unclipped natural women for the, st- for the state security forces, SSF, to assist the women in charge, WIC. State mind-bogglers, SMs, delete memories and secretly use state gas stores of the noble gases to remoleculize their minds. Argon, Freon, Helium, Krypton, Neon, Radon, and Xenon. Envisioned and written in the early 1980s, this prophetic fantasy forecast is Michael Savage's semi-serious alarm of a nightmarish future. Unfortunately for us, we're very close to this future. It's dark humor, but the uh, femme-dominated Stalinist state that I feared has emerged in former Western democracies. Just look at Merkel's Germany to start with. Take a look at what the feminists have done to Ireland and the other Western nations. If you had any idea what's actually happened, you'll see how visionary I was. Oh, yeah, there's another part to this. I'm going to become the West Coast publisher for this publisher and acquire manuscripts from the best writers in the country. Savage. It is. It's true. You can tell when a host really is there and enjoying it. When they tell you they have so much to talk about, you know they're dying up there. They're dying on the stage. They don't know what to do next. I almost died yesterday in the first hour when I had to talk about the Mueller hearings. Really, I hated it. I hated every second of it. I mean, it's so predictable what it was, what it was going to be, what was going to be said for the next 12 years. I feel good today because I feel free of Mueller and the whole deal. So uh, Epstein uh, either hung or someone did it to him. I think it's a fake job if I was asked to guess a little towel abrasion and a little act job. Who knows what really happened? But the other one, Cohen, the other prize is in Otisville, which is a, uh, I hear it's a, uh, a country club. I know someone personally who had a relative in, <laughs> in Otisville. I got the inside scoop on Otisville. It's really a country club where Cohen is. So we got for you on the Savage Nation something that I think you'll enjoy seeing. Like, everyone fears getting arrested and going to jail. I mean, you do in the back of your mind. You got to, That's why, you know, you do everything right. Can you say something? Could I survive it? Well, if you went to Otisville, it's a snap. So we got the Otisville commissary list for you. Uh, ice cream, limit two each, two eighty-five a pound for kosher ice cream. Five thirty for yogurt, a dollar eighty-five variety. Water, Coke, Diet Sprite, orange soda, ginger ale. I have the prices. 
uh, nuts, almonds, kosher, $1.65, salt, sunflower, kosher, 50 cents, and so on. Candy, Hershey Gold, kosher, 90 cents for payday, kosher, cookie and cream, kosher, 90 cents. Malted milk balls, kosher, $1.70. Reese's Pieces, kosher, $1.30. Uh, SF assorted candy, not kosher, $1.70. Starlight mint, kosher, $1.70. Tropical fruit, kosher. See, if it's kosher, it's got a K next to it. And that's good for the Jewish inmates who, who suddenly become religious in prison. Do you know how many, how, how many inmates become religious before they go in? They put on the, the head covering, whether they're Jewish or Muslim. Even the Christians, they don the cross. Because they get the Bible sessions. Yes, they do the Hail Marys inside. And it, it, you get special. So everyone becomes religious in jail. Then you got the uh, the other things. You can't believe what they have on this list. Do they have condoms in this list? I don't see it. in the, They would have to with what goes on in there, right? You will hear all these stories. I don't see any. Where's that personal? Where's the hygiene items? Guys, look up the hygiene items. Page two. I don't have page two. Oh, there it is. Okay, we got the hygiene items for Otisville. <laughs> Stop it. I'm not supposed to enjoy myself this much in radio anymore. It's supposed to be a dirge where you wish you were dead. When you talk about Mueller and Trump until your tongue sticks to the top of your mouth and God punishes you with deafness, blindness, and stupidity. Dental hygiene, $3 Colgate t- total. I don't know if that's kosher. There's no case here. OTC medicines, acne treatment, dollar four. Who would want acne treatment? What do you want to be good looking in jail? I mean, well, okay, I can see that. There are guys who need to be good looking in prison. To, okay, got it. Laxative pills that goes with that fiber lax powder, six fifty. Stool softener, dollar forty. Low, low paramide, three thirty five. Twenty four allergy, two thirty. Vapor rub, two forty. Roll aids, three pack, two thirty. Muscle rub, two fifteen. Hemorrhoid suppository. There you go. <laughs> double use. Hemorrhoid cream, double use, three eighty five. Earwax removal, seven dollars. Low dose aspirin, eighty one milligram, a dollar sixty five. Tylenol two thirty. Saline nasal spray. It's a Nasacort eighteen ninety five. That's expensive. Uh, shaving items: Protex shave cream, Dial Roll on deodorant. You would care. You smell in jail. Ambi cream. Oh, petroleum. Okay, skincare. Petroleum jelly. Sorry. Yeah, right. Okay, they're using it for cuts and scratches. Okay. Uh, Saint Ives face scrub. What is Saint Ives? Suave lotion. <laughs> Noxzema, 205, aloe vera cream, $1.30, a CB stick, 205. Now we get into the Harvard, the really important stuff in Otisville Prison. Hair care, Pantene shampoo, 730. You got the conditioner. You got Shea shampoo, Shea conditioner. You got your regular head and shoulders. You got your dark, lovely shampoo. You got your brush without a handle. No handle? You got an Afro pick for 50 cents. You got a comb or Afro comb for 90 cents. You got a vented brush for a buck, a hair tie for a dollar, African Pride Relaxer. What is an African Pride Relaxer? That sounds a little pornographic. That sounds a little pornographic to me. African Pride Relaxer? 905? I'm sorry. Look, I'm a little ignorant of commissary items in prison. Is anyone out there who's been in the slammer can tell me what African Pride Relaxer is and why it costs $9.05? African Pride GRO 635. Blue Magic Conditioner, two dollars. Murray's <laughs> Murray, I'm sorry, Murray's pomade, two forty-five. All right, then we got clothing. You got shorts. You got t-shirts, boxes, rib tank tops. You got your vitamins. I won't bore you with it. You got your stationary items. You got religious items. Here's your religious items. If you go to the Slammer in Otisville, uh, greeting cards. No, no, sorry, religious items. Limit of one oil per uh, prisoner. Three dollars sixty cents for sandalwood, three ninety for polo black, two sixty nine for a bandana. That's if you want a do rag. Eleven dollars for a prayer rug, twenty one fifty for a crown, four fifty for a kufi, and six bucks for a yarmulke. Okay, so the yarmulke didn't come out as the cheapest thing on there. The kufi is fine. That's the way it works. Racket balls five fifteen, tennis balls five fifty five, rain poncho four and a quarter, rubbermaid two quart four ninety five, Ajax dish detergent a dollar fifty. Then you got the normal items. You can buy yourself uh, a Casio watch for twenty nine eighty five. That's the last thing I'd want in jail would be a watch. Would you want a watch in jail? Let's say you're in for, th- let's say even three years. Would you want a watch to look at the time going by? I'd hang myself. I wouldn't even want to ever see a clock if I were in prison. JVC headphones, thirty ninety five clear fan, DNT, 2295. Memorex radio, that's very, very current, thirty eight ninety five. OTC medications. 
Antifungal powder 260, Lamisil 1165, sulfur and conditioner, shoe insoles, odor insoles. You need you need odor insoles. Well, let's say your cellmate, you get buy him one for Christmas, odor. You get killed. Let's say you had an inmate had rot feet that were rotting, and you're just trying to be pleasant. You wouldn't spend your own commissary money on sh- on odor X insoles. You can get murdered for that. He'd say you're putting him down. You everything's about respect in jail. I understand. Acne treatment, a dollar forty. Fiber lax powder, laxative stool, stool softener, low protein. Vapor rub, Rolaids, muscle muscle rub. Huh? <laughs> All right, Kiki, you got that muscle rub? Hey, Kiki, Kiki, go get me the muscle rub. Hemorrhoid suppository, six thirty-five. Hemorrhoid cream, three eighty-five. Low dose aspirin, ibuprofen, naproxen, saline. I did this. Nasacort, cough syrup. Oh, cough syrup. Interesting. Is that a way of sneaking in a little uh, dextromethorphan into the prisoners? I mean, cough syrup doesn't work unless it has something in it. Repel insect spray. Now, why would you need an insect spray in a prison? It's not in like a Nicaraguan prison where you need an insect spray. If you, if you so much as saw an insect in prison, you call up Marvin from the ACLU. He gets ABC, CBS, and NBC out there to photograph the insect. And they show that you're being treated worse than in, in the Soviet Union. Sunblock 390. I could see that in the yard. Soaps. Irish Spring. Neutrogena, Ambi, Lever. Shower Puff. That's a little... Uh, who would buy a Shower Puff soap unless it's sending a signal? Jim, if you were in the slammer, would you buy would you buy a soap called Shower Puff? Unless you wanted to send out a little message. You wouldn't do that. Gray T-shirt, Russell T-shirt, boxer briefs. Cruise. Okay, we got the picture. Oh, wait a minute. One, there's one last item in the commissary. Greeting cards, if you're in the slammer. 95 cents for an English friendship card. 95 cents for an English birthday card. 60 cents for a Spanish friendship card. And 60 cents for a Spanish birthday card. That could be racism right there. That could show white supremacism. Why would they charge 95 cents for a card in English on friendship and or a birthday in English and 60 cents in Spanish other than to degrade people who speak and, and read Spanish? You, you better call occasional cortex on that one. She'll be out there in a second with the other crazy crackpot. Okay, you got that picture. So there's not that much to fear. You get your marinara sauce for 90, geisha tuna, $1.95, white tuna, sweet sioux ham. Don't they feed them in prison? They feed them three times a day. What do they need this? Can anyone who's been in jail tell me why you need marinara sauce or black beans or a kosher pickle? Why do you need this? There's no one out there who's a prisoner. Garlic limits six. Now, wait a minute. Why would you limit garlic? What if you're a Jew who loves garlic or an Italian who grew up on it? Why would you be limited to six garlics for 55 cents? Jim, you're, you're of Italian extraction. What if you wanted to... See, I would eat garlic all the time in jail for a number of reasons. A, it would drive away the insects and the other prisoners. But number two would be good for my health. I'd get that and some halal sausage and some halal hot sauce, and I'd be in business with a little pasta. I would almost make a pasta pomodoro. All right, I know none of you uh, want to do any of this. You want to do the... All right, Mike, you had your fun. Now let's get back to business. Cut the crap. Let's get back to business. Say Mueller, say Trump. Say Mueller, say Trump. Say Steele, say Dossier. Say Fusion. Say Fusion DPS. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to talk about these stories. Okay. Oh, here's one. Someone wrote an article today on um, on uh, liberalism as a mental disorder. After 40 years of radio or whatever, this is like 40 years before the mast here. And he wrote about the uh, comment that I made, a book I published years ago called Liberalism as a Mental Disorder. And uh, it was in Town Hall. And they actually referred to me, which is shocking that Town Hall would do that. I was surprised they were allowed to mention my name since they're all anti-savagers. That's interesting. There's so many anti-savagers in the media, right? You hear about anti-Trumpers. You know how many anti-savagers there are? They're told by the cartel they're never to mention my name or they'll never be on any of the cartel shows. In 2005, conservative talk radio host Michael Savage released the book Liberalism is a Mental Disorder, which argued that leftist thinking would undermine the American way of life and, well, lead to mass hysteria and insanity. While the book was certainly controversial, perhaps it was also prescient in predicting the 2020 slate of Democratic candidates and their advisors. And they give you an example, right, of this idiot who works for uh, Julian Castro. So I posted a new headline, which is Liberal- liberalism is a bigger mental disorder than estimated. And I want to ask you, my loyal audience, you, you savagers, not you anti-savagers or never savagers, uh, what are the key examples of a liberalism being a mental disorder that you notice in society today? That's a good one. What are the number one example in number one examples in your mind 
of liberalism being a mental disorder, being a mental disorder that you notice in your everyday life. Back in a minute. Savage. Extra, extra, hear all about it. Read the top of the Drudge Report. Mueller ratings bust. I knew it. I wasn't the only one who almost committed Harry Carey listening to it. But apparently many of you can't get enough of it. So you're good now for the next couple of years. There's no show prep required. Just talk about Mueller, Fusion, GPS, Steel documentary, whatever. And go on and on about it. And they'll be there. The Magaites will be there. I mean, we're all happy. We're wonderful. Now can Trump get on with managing the economy and stopping the flood of immigrants coming over the border? Are we allowed to ask about the policies rather than the man for one second? Can we move on? All right. What can I tell you? I was bored by it. I've been bored by it for years. We know what it was. We know it was a so-called coup. We know it was the, quote, deep state. We know it was Hillary Clinton and and the Obama's trying to undermine Trump. We knew that. But now that he's in power, the big government is expanding. The number of immigrants is exploding. Record 61,000 immigrant children surged over the border. You hear this? And the budget is, is blown up. If you ran your household the way they're running the country, you'd be, you'd be, uh, your credit cards would be taken away from you. Your house and your car would be gone. Let's take some callers. Matt in Florida, line five. What's your topic, my friend? Hey, Dr. Savage, I'll get right to the point because I know that's what you like. I spent two years and five months in prison, and I listen to you every day during the week. Um, and I wrote- Are you allowed to listen to talk radio in prison? Yes. Um, but wait, on a headphone, or you could put it on in the cell? Well, yes, we have our headphones that we put in our ears. And um, Well, what if you're in a cell with, a, with, a, with an opposition, a leftist, and you want to listen to me? You could get into a fight, so you listen on the headphones. Yeah, we have to use the earbuds, yeah. So you're listening to me, and they're listening to what? Uh, radio from uh, National Public Radio? Uh, no, I don't listen to National Public Radio. No, no, I'm saying, the let's say a guy's a liberal in jail. What would he listen to, NPR? Pretty much, yeah, NPR. Um, but what I was going to tell you, the way I survived in there for two years and five months, um, I actually wrote a book, and I took a lot of notes. I mean, memorized a lot of stuff you said. And that's what got me through uh, writing the book. Oh, that's beautiful, man. I got to tell you, I'm so happy to hear it. I've said before, it does not matter what the person's education level is. This is a graduate seminar for advanced listeners, and it's true. It's 100% true. I'm glad that you listened and got something out of it. And I thank you very much for that call. Are there any other prisoners who can tell us about commissary items in their jail? Or I'm joking about Otisville. This was triggered because of the of the neck job on, on Riegelstein. Finkelstein? What's his name? Eisenstein? Einstein? Einstein? My Stein? Your Stein? His Stein? What's his name? Riegelstein? Winkelstein? Hinkelstein? The one who was found with the rope around his neck. Or the, 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 I don't know his name. Come on. Epstein. Who? Epstein. 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 I think Epsom salts. I'll remember it. So Epstein's found with abrasions on his neck. I don't know. What do you make of a thing like that? Could be another prisoner. Yes. But in my knowledge of the prison system, they don't miss. Uh, They don't try and miss in prison. If there was a hit put on him by another prisoner, he wouldn't have survived. It's that simple. Ask anyone who's been in there. It doesn't take too long to kill somebody, incidentally, if you really want to kill him, especially in in a closed situation like that where the guard has given a schmear job to go get a corned beef sandwich down the street. Okay. I think to me it looks like a little abrasion job with his own hands, a towel maybe, a brush, and then put it something around and lay down. And, uh, uh. Right away you take it out, put it into a nice cushy hospital. The next thing you know, he's got an ankle bracelet on, he's molesting the nurse. The Westwood One Podcast Network. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. And here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. It is. It's a good day to be on the radio because we're free, thank God, free of la- free at last from the whole thing. I mean, but oh, no, you'll hear it for the t- through twenty twenty and then beyond because it doesn't require any show prep. 
There's just a few words required. And uh, I don't have to repeat them. Mueller, Steele, dossier, uh, document. Say document sounds important. A coup, attempted coup. Those damn libs. Now, you take those words and add a few more. You could do 10 years of shows. But I'm that kind of guy where I was bored and so was America because the ratings were horrible. Look at the top of the Drudge Report. There they are. Today, I'm happy because I'm able to do what I like to do, which is creativity and creative stuff and other topics. The death penalty has come back as a topic because uh, the great attorney general Barr has uh, reinstituted the federal death penalty, which is long overdue. First time in 16 years, they're going to fry him. I guess they're going to get all sparky out again up in upstate New York. I don't know where they fry them, uh, technically. A lot of people on death row. Do you know what a, uh, a lawyer makes on a death row case? There are people whose entire life as a lawyer, 30 years they get one client on death row. They file briefs, amendments, writs. That's their whole life. They get paid around the clock to take care of one mass murderer, one child rapist for their whole life. So I, I say the death penalty is very, very good. After very serious consideration, after every appeal is exhausted, and I think we need to cap the number of appeals, by the way. That should be next. And we need to limit the years, like to two years, maximum two years. You know, but these appeals go on for like 30 years. These guys sit there and they write things. And Now the uh, bums in Congress are voting on a budget right now, meaning how to steal, steal as robbers blind. And, you know, many of you are so deceived that you don't even see it in front of your eyes. Take a guess who's pushing this budget more than anyone. The same force that wants open borders, the same force that does not want immigration stop, which is the Better Business Bureau. You've heard that a thousand times, right? Remember a year ago, they were known as the villain, Better Business Bureau, Better Business. Guess who's behind the budget? Better Business Bureau and Donald Trump. Trump is pushing Republicans to vote for this with Nancy Pelosi. I cannot go along with it. He should veto this bill. Make them go back to the drawing board because for the first time in a long time, domestic spending has gone up more than the military spending in this budget. So don't don't be taken in with the bull, bull crap here. That it's all for the military. They're using that as a sales point to the to the geeks out there who think that anything you say about military, you got to go along with. You know, it's enough already. So I asked you, uh, liberalism is a bigger mental disorder than estimated, according to a new article. And what are the key examples of liberalism being a mental disorder that you notice? And I also wanted to talk about CBD products for pain. Have they helped you? I want to alert you again. I don't know if I'm going to get into it, to the high sodium content in foods that is actually killing us, cancer and heart disease. I found a great article on it. I think I put it up on michaelsavage.com, michaelsavage.com, michaelsavage.com. You know, I don't push my website enough, but I try to put health articles up there. Read the article about sodium content and what it's doing to cancer rates and heart disease rates. I studied this in the 70s, and I remember a key study. I can almost, I don't remember the author's name. It was in 1977. I can't cite the journal. It was out of Japan. I think it was Sakai et al., S-A-K-I, S-A-K-A-I. If I'm wrong, I'm sorry. Nevertheless, that study on salt and health stuck with me because it was a really great double-blinded study in the sense that, let me tell you what they did. These Japanese scientists looked at the sodium intake of different populations within Japan. So on one part of Japan, you had the apple growers who consumed very low amounts of sodium because they were eating a lot of the apples they grew. So they were high potassium eaters. They had very, very low hypertension. On the other side of the scale were those who were high sodium eaters. I believe they were the fishermen. And everything was salted for them. High sodium, high hypertension. It was a locked shore up and down straight, as clear as a bell study. And at the same time, I remember that in the 70s, there was a big thing about soul food in America with black people having high um, levels of um, high, high incident of uh, hypertension or high blood pressure. And especially the African-American community ate very salty foods. And there were educational programs to alert people in those high-risk communities to cut back on the salt. It made sense, didn't it? No more. It's all gone. It's all gone. And now it's in, linked to increased coronary vascular disease and cancer cases out of England. Not only uh, cancer in general, but stomach cancer rates are, are up 
in areas uh, where people eat a high amount of sodium. It's probably related to the foods they eat, not the salt per se. I don't believe it's the sodium. I believe it's the type of foods that are consumed with the sodium, but that's a secondary issue. The point is, how much should you take? First of all, as I wrote many years ago, throw away the salt shaker. Throw it off your table. Just throw it off your table. Don't use it. Add no salt to anything that you make because everything is full of salt. Every packaged food, every prepared food, every sauce in a bottle, every everything's full of so- sodium and sugar. It's killing you and your children. So how much should you take? Well, I recall that when I was working for my Ph.D., I'm not allowed to say it because of the low level of education in the media. People get insulted. They think I'm putting them down. But I'll say it again. When I was working for my real doctorate from the University of California at Berkeley, a great university, by the way, aside from the crazies in the streets, and I received it in 1978, I remember studying this, and I remember distinctly what the numbers were. And what were they? What should you be consuming overall every day? No more than one gram of salt a day. That's 1,000 milligrams. Now, it's that simple. That's a quarter of a teaspoon. That's not a lot of salt, but it's all your body needs to function in the world in which you live. You're not a laborer. You're not working in the hot sun. You're not doing stoop labor. So if you're a laborer, maybe more salt. But the average American should consume about a gram of salt a day. How much are you consuming? Six to eight grams a day. So what is it doing to you? It's increasing your blood pressure. So what does the doctor tell you? Has your doctor said to you, cut back on salt? No, he said, take this pill, right? You see how it works? They don't say, cut back on the sodium, uh, Mr. Smith. They say, here, take this pill for a uh, high blood pressure and keep eating what you eat. This is the problem with medicine today. There are some advanced doctors who, who know diet is related to health. I was thinking about health today. I'm not yet at the age where I can give any health advice. I, I decided I'm going to wait until I'm 80 to write a health book. I am serious. I've thought about this in the back of my mind because I, I, I got to tell you this. I don't want to curse myself by writing a health book right now. My poor father died young. My grandfather died young. My great-grandfather died young. I mean, I've been running with this knife to my head since I'm a kid, fearing I would be dead by 30 from a heart attack. I really it scared the hell out of me. It drove me in many ways through my whole life. But here's the thing. I don't think anyone should write a, a book on health till they're 80 and in good health. Otherwise, why believe them? I mean, how many people have written health books that have dropped dead like everyone? Who is left to write a health book, by the way, when you think about it? Nobody. So I'm going to take a sip of the diet soda. Hold on. Mm. Delicious. I don't know what this fear is of diet sodas now. I have about one every once in a while. Look at Donald Trump. He lives on them. How could you people in MAGA, in MAGA world be afraid of diet sodas when your president, who's as strong as, a, as an ox, drinks them all day long? He lives on a diet soda. Doesn't hurt him. His mind is sharp as a bell, right? So if it's good for him, why, why shouldn't I drink one a day? I remember when I was in his office, it's a very famous story covered in the, in the, in the um, examiner. The, uh, what was it called? The Washington Examiner? I went into the president's office, sitting there with my wife, and we're talking. It was a very nice visit. All of a sudden, the red button goes off on the, on the president's desk, like a flashing red button. I, he presses the button. So I, I, I stood back. I said, President Trump, did you just launch a nuclear war? This was during the tension when it was at its height with North Korea. I said, was that the button? Did you just launch a nuclear war? He smiles. Yeah, I just launched a nuclear war. No, I ordered a Diet Coke for my valet. Would you want one? I mean, he has a great sense of humor. I got to tell you that. I don't Maybe it's me. Maybe I lighten them up there. Everyone's a stiff in there. Even the people are going, I don't know how he takes it. The guy likes to schmooze. He's from New York. He built those buildings talking to Italians in the building trades. You know what I'm saying? Italians and Jews were the people he worked with. Everyone had a story to tell. Everybody was a jokester in New York. Now he's around a bunch of stiffs in there. How does he take it? I don't know. But anyway, here we are. And uh, we got some callers to deal with. No one's interested in the salt story or the fact that you're poisoning your children with, uh, with sugar in the morning. I don't understand it. I'm trying to tell people this, but no one cares. So, you know, do what you can. So when I'm 80, God willing, I'm 80, I'll write a health book. How's that? Will you want that, Jim? Is that okay? Is that a good enough deal? When I turn 80, I'll publish a health book. Then you can say, okay, the guy knows what he's talking about. But what does the Bible promise us? Three score and ten? That means 70 years is all we're supposed The Bible says three score and ten, if I'm not mistaken, right, Jim? It says three score and ten. So the top we're supposed to live is about a 70 shotter. Forget about the biblical fantasy that you live to 190. You know, in those days, the average age was probably 14. 
They had children at nine. They lived with the wife for three years and they died of boredom. I don't know. They didn't live too long. They didn't live that long. They died in their teens, a lot of people. Then with warfare, famine, hunger, disease, animals, and stuff like that, they didn't live past 30 by and large. That's why they had large families. So today, what's the average lifespan in America, Jim? Today, 70-something? It's gone up a little bit. Japan has the highest rates. They look horrible, though. What's the point of living if you're all, like, screwed up with a miserable face? Everyone's unhappy in Japan. Everyone's miserable. I don't understand that. They live long, but their faces are all screwed up with anger and rage. I like Tokyo. Don't get me wrong. Nice people are Japanese. It was clean when I was there. Clean as uh, can be. But then the next time I went back, it was full of homeless bums. Even it hit there also. But uh, I don't know. But uh, three score and ten. That's 70 years is the top you're supposed to get. But I'm like gambling that if God is listening to the show, and he may be bored by now in the galaxy he decided to go to, and he's like, hey, let me tune into that guy on, on what's it called? Oh, Earth, right. And where is Earth? Which galaxy? Oh, which solar system is that again? I forget. I have so many of them to play with. <laughs> which one of my uh, solar systems is it? Uh, oh, that one? Oh, yeah. Oh, that minor solar system down there? Uh, and what's that little planet that guy Savage is on who tells those jokes about me? Earth? Tune him in for me right now, would you please? <laughs> That's not a bad act. I could do that on the stage. That would be a fun one. I could develop that one. I will when I come back on the Savage Nation. Savage. Certain men should live for a thousand years. Others should never have been born. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Uh, The prosaic... I wrote this during the break. The prosaic is Prozac for the masses. That's for those of you who are not into prosaic things. The prosaic is Prozac for the masses. Enjoy that one. San Francisco, Kevin, line three. Go ahead, please. Go ahead, Kevin. You're on the radio. Quick, say what? Hey, I've got a quick question, man. How come in Chinatown, when you walk in Chinatown, there's there's no homeless. You don't see people smoking meth pipes and all that. And, and my other comment, too. The worst criminal out there is a thief. I'm wondering... If you walked into a Chinese like camera store, walked in and stole a camera, how far down the block you get before you got your butt kicked? Well, that's because the Chinese take care of their neighborhoods and they take care of their own. Uh, and if you study the history of San, you're talking about San Francisco's Chinatown where there are no homeless. You know, I was just there. About well, because they don't permit them, and they give them a good beating and kick them out of the neighborhood, probably. Yeah, you feel so safe when you walk. Come on, are you kidding me? You think they're going to let their business be ruined by a bunch of dirt bags laying around in the gutter with, with lice on themselves and defecate in the street? I never saw it in Chinatown. In North Beach, in the, in the Italian district, where there were no Italians left, I saw a bum take his pants down and defecate outside a restaurant window. I swear to God. I couldn't, I couldn't eat after that. Yeah. It's still in my mind. You know, certain images you never want to ever, you wish to God you had never seen? Yeah. No sane society on earth has ever permitted men to defecate openly in the street. Ever. Never. We have gone below that of a fourth world nation. You take Nicaragua. You you talk about Guatemala, El Salvador. If a man ever did that, they'd beat him to death. And I'm not, not saying you should do it. I'm telling you the way civilized society is. No society on earth tolerates what San Francisco tolerates. This is lower than a fourth world city. That answers your question. You triggered me. Thanks. Appreciate that. You got my Mars going in me. Uh, I'm the king of leftovers. If you ever figure, if you won't believe what I just ate for lunch, talking about health, I had to watch my step today because I've been eating too much meat. I can't eat fish anymore. Here I am, a man. My whole life, I've eaten fish to keep my saturated fat content low, my omega threes high. And within the last year, all of a sudden, I'm allergic to fish. Right? Joints hurt, itchiness. You say, well, is it the fish? Is it the water? No, it's probably me. I had a very bad allergy season this spring. It was one of the worst of my life from the heavy rains. I almost died from it. You probably heard it on the radio. I wasn't strong. You get me in March, April, I'm like a near-death near personality. I'm good now. Because allergy season ends in the San Francisco area, in California, well, no, Bay Area, around July 1, according to allergists. Although it's like year-round for most people today, more or less it's over. When I see the grass is going to seed, I know it's kind of over. So I'm strong as I can be now. I'm back to life again. But boy, oh boy, what a bad allergy season it was. But because of the bad allergy season, my immune system was challenged really heavily by pollens and whatnot. And I don't take medication. I swear to God, you just have to believe me. I live on mega doses of vitamins. I have for many years and um, such. And I've been very fortunate thus far. 
and I don't take medication because I know it in the, in the long run weakens my body. My dog is on medication. Oh, Teddy, you want to hear about him? Raise your hand if you want to hear an update on Teddy. Okay, Teddy almost died two years ago. He had cancer. You know, he's the mascot of the Savage Nation. The book Teddy and Me is a picture of him and his, the height of his, his health, okay? I'm in the Dodge. Uh, it was only a few years ago, in 2016. I'm in the new Dodge uh, Hellcat. Teddy's on my arm in the window. It was a great picture. He was at the height. So, so shortly thereafter that, we found out he had cancer of the testicle. So the doctor took both of the uh, the uh, both of them off. They figured if you had one, then the, I don't know why, but they figured if it's in one, it's going to migrate. All right, figure we're in there for one, take out two. He come p- bouncing off the table after they cut the uh, the, the Schmendrick off. A- I waited outside. After it was over, he bounded down the hall. I said, I thought you just cut his testicles off. She said, I did. I said, can you put me on the table next? Where does energy come from? So he came back from that. Look, I tell a joke in the most crazy places. I'm in a supermarket the other day. There's a black guy about it. I never saw anyone as big in my life. I'm the kind of guy I'll talk to anyone who I find is interesting. So I say to him, excuse me, sir, how do you think God made a man as big as you and as small as me? Let me tell you the conversation that emerged. You'll never believe it. Savage. great mood today I, a number of reasons who knows why probably the publisher comparing me to the great russian authors after 40 years of waiting for an actual publisher who understands my literary capacity let's put it to you that way and he went crazy for xenon it'll be out one day who knows when amen other amongst other unpublished works i told you all about it earlier and the fact that i am thinking about becoming the west coast publisher of this new company of this big company and and acquiring manuscripts for them it's interesting to me to see what's out there. Many people have manuscripts. Some probably are good. Many are not. And we'll have to see what comes up. Don't send me any, please. If you're a friend of mine, I'm not open. So I asked you examples of liberalism as a mental disorder. And we're going to read them in a minute. Some of them are great on Twitter. They throw themselves on the road to save pigs but feel nothing about a nine-month-old fetus getting a skull crushed, wearing vagina uh, outfits. I love vaginas. A man can get pregnant. Uh, biological men competing against biological women. I don't even know what that means. Giving free health care to illegal immigrants. We're talking about what examples of uh, liberalism is a mental disorder. Another one writes, saying that mathematics is racist. Saying people kind instead of mankind. Believing in global warming while the money goes to the green mafia. You got that right. The young couple from Washington, D.C. that went to the Middle East to prove human kindness while biking in Tajikistan, they were captured by ISIS and decapitated. <laughs> Worrying about the lives of illegal children from other nations that are lost by the actions of their parents, yet cheering for the death of American children at the hands of an abortionist, killing a baby. The squad, these are examples of mental disorder. Feminist exhibit fifth graders were subjected to on a field trip. It's a fat woman with her breasts out. Oh, my God, stop it. You're kidding me. They did this to kill kids? And this woman wasn't put in prison? This slob? This degenerate, psychotic slob? What else? Choosing to ignore the undue foreign influence of millions of illegal voters in our nation and focusing on a non-existent Russian conspiracy involving Trump. Good one. Obsession with election meddling while simultaneously insisting voter ID laws would be racist. That's a great one. People are so smart in my show. I mean, they really are. TDS is rampant among them, destroying historical artifacts so future generations can't learn from our past. They're really good comments. Banning plastic straws. No ID to vote. AOC not understanding that illegal immigration is illegal. That's because she's not AOC. Do you realize why they gave this dumb idiot uh, a set of initials? Because they're lining her up to be the president in the future. Do you re- recognize that? Do you know that they had not given initials to Donald Trump for a long while, DJT? You don't hear him referred to as DJT, but this piece of garbage bartender is ready, AOC, like she's presidential material. What else are the examples? Uh, lots of good examples. Anyway, here we are in the Savage Nation. So let me go back to the story. A lot on abortion in here. Fighting American citizens if they didn't carry health insurance, Obamacare, yet wanting to give free health care to citizens of other nations. Bette Midler tweets, Bette Midler was born stupid. Bette Midler should have been, I shouldn't say it, it's a family show. Degradation and hatred of our police and warriors who defend our freedom. $15 minimum wage. More than two genders. 
There's other stuff I can't read. It's all at, at, at a savage nation. Most everything that transpired at yesterday's <laughs> committee hearing. A- absolute refusal to do independent research and investigation. Media regarding Omar. First tweet of yours I've seen in months. What do you mean the first in months? I tweet all day long. Have you seen Twitter? They've ruined it. They changed it. To, I can't even find stuff on it. 855 Okay, it's all up there and on michaelsavage.com. So I was telling you a story before the break about the kind of person I am. So I was in the supermarket the other day after the show. I sometimes go in to have a coffee or grab some groceries, right? I shop for myself. I enjoy it much more than having an assistant because at least they know what I'm buying. And I don't know if someone's spitting the food. I'm just, you know, no, I like to pick my own stuff because I'm not the easiest guy in the world to get along with. So you send someone out to shop for you or get your lunch. You know, you better make sure they bring it back stapled. Hey, have you heard about that hub, rub, hub, hub, grub, rub and the delivery services? Not just that company. The drivers are dipping into the food and stealing it. Like you order six spare ribs, you get four. The guy from Tashkistan ate two of the ribs on the way to your house. I swear to God. So if you're ordering takeout through a delivery service, unless it is stapled shut by the restaurant, reject it. You don't know what's in there. They're stealing food out of those things. And we don't know how dirty the car is, how long it's been in the car, whether they delivered babies in the back next to your, your ribs. You don't know what's going on in there. I don't know. I would, you don't want a service from the guy who's not even a citizen. Imagine his health. So you don't, unless it comes to you, stapled shut, don't eat it. That's the number one. And tell the restaurant you want it stapled shut. I don't like takeout food because they always cheat you, especially the Asian restaurants. I have found, I'm sorry, it's not racist. It's an observation of reality. I go to certain Asian restaurants for years. I know if I get takeout, it's half the size. And the shrimp are like from the back refrigerator as opposed to when you're there, right? Instead of the large, because you can smell them. The takeout, they figure a moron anyway. And you're, you're probably stoned and stupid and drunk by the time. You, so I don't like takeout generally. I don't know what's in the food to begin with. So in the supermarket the other day, as I was saying, I'm waiting uh, for some sliced turkey for Teddy. I know it sounds indulgent and elitist, but it is. The guy's 16. He had cancer two years ago. How long do you think he's got left? I can't buy him sliced turkey. That's your business, too. Go comment on Twitter like a moron. Go ahead. Go ahead. Write me something on Twitter like you know more than me, you stupid. You idiots on Twitter. You think you're my equal because you can type a word? You're nothing. My dog's droppings are smarter than most people on Twitter. So I'm in the supermarket, as I said, waiting for some sliced turkey for the dog. And uh, there's an African-American man next to me getting some of the food, the prepared food, like they cook in the afternoon at dinner or whatever. The guy was the biggest man I've ever seen in my entire life. Now, I've been, I lived in the Fiji Islands. I've been in Tonga. I've lived in Tonga in the 60s. Tongans are the biggest people in the world. I've never seen anything like it. They're big men. And there's a reason for that, by the way. So this African-American guy is huge. He's got dreadlocks. So most white people would be intimidated, like, oh, what charge a bad guy? But I'm not. So I said to him, I said to him, I looked at him, I said, sir, can I ask you, how does God make a man as big as you and as small as me? I mean, I'm not particularly small, but next to him, it was like, you know, a giant. And So he smiles. I forget what he said to me exactly. And we talked for a minute. And I, he said, well, he said, my mother was 6'1", my father was 6'2". I said, what are you, about 6'5"? He said, no, sir, I'm 6'9". 6'9". Can you imagine this? So we joked around, and I said, I hope I didn't, uh, you know, impinge upon your privacy. I said, but I grew up in New York City where I had to learn how to talk to everybody as quickly as I could to avoid getting killed. And I learned quickly who I could talk to and who I, could, who I should not talk to. I felt you were a decent person. So I said, I bet it would. I said, people think that being smaller... Is I said, no, as a guy who's not particularly big, I've had to fight my whole life from the time I was a kid, mentally and other ways, to survive. And I said, I always wished I was like a giant guy like you, but then I found out that being a big guy is actually worse than not than the, the smaller guys. I said, because people pick on big guys. He said, oh, you got that right. I said, I bet your whole life people have come and picked fights with you just to prove that they could beat up a bigger guy. He said, you got that right, man. So we talked, and I said to him, uh, did you play sports? I said, a football, yeah. And he said, now I'm a coach. I mean, the guy was a nice guy. And I'm sure everybody was afraid of him in a white, you know, like a white supermarket, right? You wouldn't go up to him like dreadlock, six foot nine, the way like people think. But I, I'm not showing you what a great guy I am. I'm just saying how interesting people can be. 
anywhere on earth, wherever you go, if you look around, there's life out there and there's interesting life out there. Is that a good story or not? I, I like that story. Jim encouraged me to tell it. Robert's shaking his head yes. But that's two out of 20 million. I don't know. What do we, you know people really want? So getting back to the news stories, the death penalty was a good story. Very good story because I'm totally in favor of the death penalty. I would say if you've had two appeals, you should be old Sparky and you should become intimate friends as quickly as possible. So the federal government government today reintroduced the federal death penalty after 16 years, and I support it. And here are the reasons why. The death penalty gives closure to the victims' families who have suffered for so many years. It serves as a great deterrent. Don't fool yourself. If a guy knows the worst that's going to happen to him after he butchers a whole family is he's going to be treated like a, like a hero in a prison with some stupid lawyer from Berkeley, you know, the Bolt School of Law, I call it the Dolt School of Law, you get an assigned lawyer for the rest of your life, and they interview you for Nat, Nat Geo. So what do you got to lose? You're treated like justice is served. Our system shows more sympathy for criminals than it does victims. In another argument is it contributes to the problem of overpopulation in the prison systems. I don't think that's a great argument because there aren't that many people on death row. But it does give prosecutors another bargaining chip in the plea bargain process, incidentally. Yes, it does. Don't tell me that a, a guy who's about to commit a crime doesn't think if he's going to get killed for it, he might hesitate. Now, you liberals would argue that innocent people have been wrongly sentenced to die. The, the, the number is almost nil. Not with today's justice system. There's almost no error for capital punishment in the U.S. Almost none. Almost none. Never mind what the liberals say. And I remember back in New York in the, in the 60s, you had the diehard liberals like Bernie Sanders. I know the type, the commies. They're, they're, still, they're still coming here and arguing over the Triangle Shirtwaist fire. It's very personal to them. So many people died like making a shirt. They think that the, the guy did it to them. But they used to argue that, <clears throat> that I'd rather have 99 guilty men go free than one innocent man be in jail. I'd say, really? You're really a genius. That's an example of liberalism. I heard it as a child from idiots. I'd rather have 99 guilty men go free than one innocent man be executed or go to jail. This is the thinking of Bernie Sanders and the entire left wing in this country. Everything is upside down to them. It's like being in Brobingdang. When I come back, I'll take your calls and we'll drink the last drops of the Savage Nation together. Savage. Coming to the conclusion of the Savage Nation, I have not mentioned uh, Dossier, Steel Report. I did not celebrate that Mueller was uh, bumbling. I didn't make a mockery of him. I didn't attack him. I didn't make a, a fool out of him. Uh, let's see. I didn't glorify anyone. I didn't disglorify anyone. I've had a wonderful program, and I, I really thank the audience a lot uh, on the topics we have covered. I have not gotten to CBD products. I have not gotten really to the sodium story. I did touch on the death penalty. I've talked about my 40-year breakthrough in my literary career. At the beginning of the show, you, you should catch the podcast if you missed it. Maybe we'll MP3 it in case you missed it. And Teddy is asleep. I, oh, I meant to give you an update on Teddy. So Teddy is 16. Teddy was with me in my arms live as a little black puppy 16 years ago at the uh, the um, Chronicle Pavilion. Used to be known as something else. I had 7,000 fans in that audience, outdoor concert. I outdrew a famous rock and roll performer. I came on the stage in my red Cadillac. Teddy was with me. I gave three acts live. I've never done another live performance since, not of any size, for a number of reasons. 16 years ago, and it was like yesterday, I also remember picking peaches in my garden, in my Hill House garden, that year with a dear friend of mine who's pretty aged right now, and Teddy was a puppy, and his teeth were sharp as razor blades, and he, my friend loved my little doggy, and he put his hand in my dog's mouth, and the teeth ripped his hand open. The, the fingers were bleeding like crazy. He didn't bite him. You know, puppies will closed their mouth instinctually, said he bit him, and that finger was bleeding. Like yesterday, you know what I'm saying? So here's Teddy laying here under the desk. He had cancer two years ago, and then about a year ago, he was near death's door. This winter, I almost lost him. In fact, I put up pictures. I was, I was broken to pieces. Another reason I was knocked down this year is he was almost dead. His trachea is, uh, is uh, broken, you know, or distorted. 
He coughs a lot. He was wheezing. And I figured it was over. So I, I found a vet who is of Indian descent, who looks like a guru and is a guru. He kept him for a week, full care, $180 the whole week with care, like a, a saint. So they found he had an, you know, an infection and cured it with some antibiotics, and now he's back. So I went to the Indian doctor, and I said, you saved my dog. I want to thank you. He said, oh, no. He says, God saved your dog. I was just a medium. Wonderful man, right? So now we've been taking care of him. The problem with the little guy now, and Teddy, I'm not talking behind your back. You can hear me openly. He's half blind, half deaf. You know how they get if you had a dog. But you don't want to put him to sleep, you know, unless you live in China and you want to eat him or something. We're humane people. And we treat our dogs like people. Rightly so. And, uh, and that's why Leo, I told you, Leo's legacy down there. I'm giving him a free commercial. He treats those 1,500 animals like they're, they're people. So Teddy was keeping us awake at night. He would cough, and you, you couldn't go to sleep. It became a real problem. So he's, thank God, he's on this hydrocodone syrup now. I started it the other night. I shouldn't tell you, but it's um, half a milliliter of the uh, hydrocodone syrup. It's a nice uh, product, Hydromet 5. Hydromet 5-1.5. I give him a half a mil, 0.5 mil, sorry, and he goes to sleep. He's good for six hours. The Westwood One Podcast Network.